0: Hello, and welcome to the Human Factor Podcast, a series of conversations discussing the topics and themes influencing the world of work today. My name is Michael Esau. I'm a global HXM advisor at SAP.
1: I'm Simon Humphries, and I'm a solution architect at SAP.
0: So Simon, the episode title is Growing Your Brand Through Through People. Emphasis massively on brand, uh, massively about philosophy, but in particular, how... It's growing that brand through the contribution of the people in it. Uh, And we've got a very special guest. So what are you looking forward to from this episode
1: today? I think the key word there is brand. Yeah, and that's the real core of the episode. So, yeah, I think we need to explore what is a brand? What is a brand? What does it mean? You know, is it a logo? Is it a set of values? Is it a commitment? So it'd be interesting to hear our guest's viewpoint on that um, and explore that in a lot more detail. How about yourself?
0: Yeah, again, linking to that, I want to understand a bit about the philosophy that sits behind it in the context of driving the business, because it's ultimately the philosophy that describes how the organization works. And then, of course, the role of the employee in that to live it and bring it to life and reflect it through to the customer. So, uh, yeah, like always, I'm sure this is going to be uh, a rich conversation. We are delighted to welcome our guest on this episode Uh, David Hyatt, bankrupt at 16, thrown out of college at 18, joined Saatchi and Saatchi at 21, had a ball, left advertising to go back to Wales. He started Howie's in 1995, sold it to Timberland, left, started the Do Lectures, which was voted one of the top 10 ideas festivals in the world by The Guardian. And in 2012, started a company making jeans called the Hyatt Denim Company in his hometown of Cardigan, a town that used to have Britain's biggest jeans factory. Its purpose is to get 400 people their jobs back. As of today, it now employs 30 people. So David, welcome to the Human Factor podcast. We're delighted to have you as a guest. Thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Um, Yeah, I'm excited. So let's put this in context. The episode that we're (laughs) going to discuss is growing your brand through people. And, And I think this is a really pertinent topic in the changing world of work as consumers. And what does a brand mean? And why are we choosing to work for this organization versus that one? Or even why are we choosing to not work with an organization? And we know through all of the the commentary about the great departure, the great resignation, and people voting with their feet uh, after the pandemic. I think we're hitting a point in our history where people are now making really profound choices about how they want to work and where they want to work. So, context our brand is a commitment. It's a commitment to our customers and to the people who work with us. It signifies something, it means something, it connects people, creates communities, and it can inspire. Many brands bring with them a philosophy, a desire to do something in a certain way with a certain style. It's often reflected in mindsets and behavior. In an organizational context, it's fast becoming an imperative. One of the things we've learned from the impact of the pandemic, employees are making clear choices and decisions about where they want to work and how. Now, research has long told us that organizations that truly create an environment that enables all employees to be their best, feel connected, engaged, and typically outperform competition. So this episode is gonna delve into the experience of David in growing brands and executing powerfully through his people. As David once said, you hire great people and then you get out of their way. So we will tap into David's philosophy for his business, his people and the role of every single employee in the success of his organization. We'll also discuss the ideas and passion that seek to differentiate and progress the industry that he's part of. As always, we hope to pick up a tip or two, a little bit of wisdom from David's experience with his own companies and through his amazing work at Do Lectures. So really looking forward to this conversation. And, and, and David, you know, when Simon and I set out last, uh, last April, we, we sort of put together a sort of an early list of, you know, who would we really, really like to speak yeah. to? Uh, and you were right on my list. Can we just start, though, before we begin? Would you kindly, for the people who are listening, may not know who you are, may not know who your business is. So could you just kindly tell us a little bit about, uh, you know, who 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 you are? Yeah, I'm sort of a co-founder of Hyatt Denim Company um,
2: down in West Wales. I mean, and just for people who don't know the story is, you know, Cardigan used to have, you know, Britain's biggest jeans factory. Um, and it made 35,000 pairs of jeans a week, every week for 40 years, and then, Like 2002, that factory closed. And so, you know, like a a decade later, myself and Claire said, look, we literally got to try and get those 400 people their jobs back. So we started the hired Denim Company just with that premise, make the best jeans in the world and and get this town rocking again. But at the same time, you know, we also had this little side project called the Do Lectures, which was only supposed to exist one time. You know, um, there was no business plan. And. And it happens in a cow shed, 150 million viewers of the talks. I mean, the tickets sell out in an hour, you know, um, and there's a waiting list for next year's event. Um, and that was supposed to be just like a little side project that was just feeding our curiosity of like we love learning. But now we can't stop it because it's kind of like people actually get a lot of nutrition from it. So and we live down in West Wales, we've got two kids and and um If I'm successful at all, is it because of this one thing? I'm in charge of my time. Nobody tells me where to go, what to do at any point, and that's my success. So,
0: and I quite like that. I mean, absolutely, you know. And but I think also there's a great purpose to how you approach things. Things things matter, right? And one of the things that we're going to discuss today, you know, is brand. And and I think during the podcast series and talking to a, a range of uh, guests we've been talking about purpose and on episode five we had uh, harriet green now harriet was my old ceo from premier farnell day she went on to ibm and she said you know your brand is your commitment it's your promise you know it really means something so could you just share with us your perspective on brand
2: i mean i guess for me, the most interesting companies in the world want to change something. And so, so people think of a brand and go ask a logo or premium products. But like, for me, it's a promise to go and change something that you really care about. And it, for me, it's a promise of this can be better. And that's very galvanizing for me where you go like, I think if we did it this way, people will think this is a better way to do it. Uh, and so you are fighting maybe the old way or you know, a bad way or you know, like bad design, you know, bad for the environment. But a brand when it's at its optimum is a promise for
0: change, but change for the positive. And I think that's what people as consumers, as employees are really looking for. I think we want to be progressive. We want to be better. We'd like to make a difference. We'd like to make an impact. Because I think, you know, when we look at brand today, you have to look at it from an organizational lens, but you have to look at it from the individual lens. Because it has to speak to, but what difference will this make to you in your life, in your profession, but also when you go home with your family, it has to be connected all the way through. And I think, you know, what you were saying there about a desire to improve things. And and and, and if I may, David, in I was watching one of your videos, uh, you, you, you were talking to one of your lectures, and you talked about your dad, and I hope you don't mind me just mentioning this, mm-hmm. but you said your dad was a perfectionist, and he was in the Navy, and he used to irritate the life out of him, that people didn't take care, you know, in what they were doing, and he started putting his initials, didn't he, on yeah. all of his work, and I just loved the way you told the story, you know? It's one of those moments where you think, oh, okay, that's...
2: That's an interesting way to look at the world but it's a way that i would like to look at the world and and, and basically he wanted to put his name to things so yeah. if he did a job he wanted to do it well and so like all artists sign their work and my dad was an artist although he was an electrician right so and his thing was even when he changed the light bulb he was gonna he was gonna put his initials against it because his thing was, like, there was the culture of the job didn't matter. Yeah, you know, if you're in the Merchant Navy, you come in every six months or three months or whatever your term is, you do a job, and then then it's down to the next guy. And you can blame, you can always blame the previous guy. And my dad's going, like, just so you know, I'm going to put my initial on, and you ain't going to blame me. And, and I was like, wow, rock star. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought, God, like... Putting your names or something. like if you hire a carpenter or you know somebody's doing some work on, on your house or something, they'll always secretly go and put their initials somewhere if they're proud of it. Now conversely, there's another thing in um, Hollywood where the editor who has the most like um, credits is a, a guy called Alan Smithy. I don't know if this is a real story or like, but I kind of want it to be a real story. And so when film directors don't want to put their name to something, they gonna I'm, I'm not having my name on this. Then they put the editor or you know, producer or filmmaker as Alan Smithy. So Alan Smithy is like when you don't want to put your name to something. Yeah. So I'm going like, so don't be Alan Smithy. Like, yeah. put, so everything you do, like you should just go, like, life is short. So kind of like do work that matters, you know, work with amazing people and, and have the weekend off. I mean, it's like
0: do good stuff. Exactly, and I'm going to come back to that in just a second. I just want to see
1: Simon your your quick thoughts, Simon. Questions? Yeah, I love the story, David. And yeah, I wondered whether it, it was you talked about there about your dad putting his initials because he was proud of the work he did. Did it also you know represent the brand of it was a job well done? So somebody saw those initials, they knew it was done properly, and it yeah. it wasn't an Alan Smithy. So does it have to give that reassurance even?
2: No, oh, it's. I mean, I mean, ultimately, a brand is trust, isn't it? Like, you know, so it's you trust that, that brand to deliver the promise on the promise that they made. Um, and so when somebody saw a light bulb, and gone, oh, you yeah, know, I think that's probably going to be done well because that guy is a nutter. He's put his name against it. Fine, you know, an awful lot of a brand is trust based on consistency. And you following through on your word. It's like anything, isn't it? It's like friendship. Like, are you consistent in what you say or inconsistent?
0: And you get the friends you want. Exactly. It comes back to the value of integrity, doesn't it? And people struggle sometimes with integrity when they they look at it as a value. But again, going back to Harriet, and um, she said it's about, do you do what you say you will do in very, very simple terms. Now, previously... You've mentioned that there's a need for more human brands. Can you just elaborate on that statement and and maybe just give us a few thoughts on, so what's your philosophy, therefore, as a leader who's largely curating what your brand actually stands for? There's a couple of things.
2: There's There's the brand that exists on the outside. That's always pretty good. Right? Everybody gets that right. Yeah, you know, the veneer is always, oh, that's super nice. But the brand on the inside is much more interesting to me because what do the people who are closest to you think about you? That's the test. Not can you do a nice website, greenwash this, greenwash that? Is what do the people closest to you say about you? That's the test. And so the ultimate acid test of a brand is on the inside culture is on the inside when i was doing Howie's, right this is like me being self-critical and um and quite rightly is when i did howie's i sold it to Timberland. and, and, I, and when i say i i mean myself and claire because she's like super super brainy you know i had to leave because i, I really valued my independence and, and that's the thing i didn't realize uh, and so when I resigned from Howie's, like, like, half the people were delighted. And the other half were guided. And, and I had to learn from that because I thought, God, that was like, I mean, I really put everything into it. It was all my values. I put, it was an awakened moment. I wasn't thinking about this thing. And then half the people just go, man, hey, I'm glad to see you go. And that was really tough. And actually, what I learned from that was I don't really like being the boss. And especially when I am driven, I actually, I, I, I'm, I'm in Cardigan. I'm in West Wales. It's super nice. People come to retire. I'm not here to, to retire. I'm here to go and build one of the most influential denim brands, like talk series in the world. I just happen to live where I want to live. What I learned from the Howie's thing is I want to be a coach, not a boss. I don't like being a boss. I love being a coach. I love going, I'm going to hire you and I'm going to show you some stuff to help you fly. Then I'm going to get out of your way. I'm going to create a space for you to do the best work you've ever done. And and at some point, I might even help you leave to go and do something else. And it's fine. My thing is, if I grow people, I will grow my business. Most other people want to grow their business. And the people just happen to get in the way. I and mean, then guess what? They're looking at the world the wrong way around. Because it's not fun when you just work into a number. When but when you're trying to grow people, you're going to get nutrition from that. You're actually going to go, Do you know, what? I'm doing something that matters. Because literally, if I give these people the confidence, and the capabilities, and the daring, and the braveness, and when they f up in this fine because they, they tried something that we didn't know was going to succeed. That's called learning. Then I find it pretty interesting. So remember this. That's the most important tip, right? It's what people say about you who are closest to you. Not the veneer on the outside. Oh, I run this Super Bowl ad. Good. Well done. The veneer is always beautiful. The truth is on the outside. No, the truth is on the inside. And the people closest to you
0: know either you're full of truth or full of the other stuff. It's very—it's fascinating. I, and, and through the series, we're talking about dispersed leadership. We're talking about people leaning in. We're talking about, you know, how multipliers in the business. So it's—it's it's reshaping, if you like, the role of the leader. It has to be different. It, it can't be what it once was because we're just not in that place anymore. But the key word again is about growth. How do you facilitate and enable growth as part of your philosophy? Because philosophy is crucial. It sets you apart. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, uh, culture doesn't exist
2: in a brand document. You know, That's where ideas go to die. And and people don't do what they they say they're going to do. Culture is what you do every day and and what you consistently do every day and how you respond every day. And it's not a slogan on a wall. And it's not a slogan at your once-a-year conference. None of that actually matters. But it is how you... Respond how you treat people, and you know, what you say. This is acceptable. This is not acceptable. And but you do it on an everyday basis, and 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 you do it with conviction, and you stick to it. You, you know, like you stick to it. These values are not um, what I believe on a Tuesday is not different to what I on a Wednesday. And you go um,
0: when the sales aren't as good,
2: and, and that's it's a test of character.
0: So let's just focus in for the moment then on people building on what you've just said there, it's a people business. It's, it's, it, it, it's through your people. So the success of the organization, it doesn't matter if you're 50,000, 100,000, 100 people, doesn't matter. Your success is going to largely rest on your people. Now, again, for our listeners, your employees are called grandmasters. Why is that?
2: Malcolm Gladwell wrote in one of his books, um, you know, it takes ten thousand hours to become a grandmaster at chess. And when we were talking to the team, and we were getting everybody back, we sort of realized that actually they'd done twenty thousand hours, thirty thousand hours, forty thousand hours, fifty thousand hours, sometimes sixty thousand hours of a particular aspect of making genes. So, like, like we were like grandmasters on speed, like speed chess. So. I wanted them to know, because they came from a factory that was asking them to do the most jeans that they could. And they were coming to a factory that was going to ask them to make the best jeans that they could. I wanted them to understand that they were special. And I wanted them to understand their skills. They're in the top five elite makers in the world. So I wanted them to understand how important and how rare their skills are. And that's why I got them to sign every pair of jeans, because I'm going, all artists do sign their work. And I, I made like wooden stations behind everything. It was almost like a little cathedral behind every sewing machine. I just wanted them to understand how special they were and the skills that they have. They're the best makers in the world. Like if you were the best at something, mostly you know,
0: and no one knows who they are. Again, just just walking this through. How many people work for you today, David? So there's about thirty
2: people in the factory. So we got, you know, we still got um, a fair way to go. But I, I'm I'm a great believer in compound interest, and I know like like you know, over time it'll come. But the reason I'm sort of relaxed about, you know, we're sort of ten years in, and there's thirty people. You go, Dave, you're gonna get four hundred people jobs, back, man. You're gonna you're gonna have to take some vitamins because you're gonna have to keep going for a long old time. But the tension for me is that if I can build it on a slow growth pattern, I don't need other people's money. Do you mean so? And the faster I go and accelerate things, I'm going to have to go and get chunks of money from elsewhere. And ultimately, there will come a point where people say, um, you know, because you know, they go, hey, we can go make this much cheaper in China. There's not a spreadsheet that will defend me. So I don't mind that tension of I want to get privilege jobs back. And, and by the way, I have to be comfortable with slow growth. And, and so there's a tension there. And, I'm, and I'm, I've settled with it. I've I've done the debate. I've, I can see both angles. But I've never been closer to 31 people. Um, and, and I'm fine with it. And then, and then the thing is, and guess what? If we only ever got to here and we provided like 30 people, like a great place to work, then I'm okay with that too. My dad, right, like Merchant Navy, just talked about it. He worked for a lot of companies, a lot a lot of companies, and not very nice companies. And he only actually talked about one company. And it was an American company, and that company treated him really well. And he even had, like, he stayed there five, six years. He had a little special coin to say he was a long-serving person. And do you know what they did? Like, you, know, you have to go and join a ship in the far-off place. And mostly what the, the ship owners would do is, like, you know, you fly on uh, overnight, you join the ship jet-lagged out of all proportion, you know, the next morning, and you're supposed to do work. And what they did is they put him up in a nice hotel, give him an, you know, a day just to, get acclimatized and then the join the ship the next day fresh. And that's culture. Yeah. Somebody in that company knew what it was like to arrive at a ship jet lagged out of hell and, and being expected to do a decent day's work. And so that's being human. And, yes. and go and write me a brand book on that. You go, oh, I don't know. But some humans, just remember, they just got to remember to be human. Well, there's another person on the other end of that flight. Fine. Give him, go and get him a nice hotel. It's not going to cost very much money. Give him, him a good night's sleep. Good, good job. Well done. He talked about it for years. Did
0: he? Yeah. I mean, the DNA of a human being in the last hundred years, it hasn't changed. We wake up every morning and bring our brilliant selves to work, but we need certain things to happen during that day for us then to go home and go, I had a good day, I felt safe, I felt valued, I felt recognized, I felt as if I made a difference. In terms of the, because it doesn't matter if it's 30 or 400, you aspirationally have a brand that is synonymous with trying to, and is, creating an amazing world-class product. How are these 30 people living your brand every day? Because you are stepping back, you are entrusting your grandmasters you know, to live your route.
2: Yeah, but I mean, also for them to, you know, like they're grown ups, right? They came to me and said, um, we want to do um, our 39 hours in, you know, between Monday and Thursday. We want to come in early. We want to leave, uh, you know, at a time. So, so we have Friday off. And I'm going, I'm going, what are you asking me for? I haven't never run a factory. I have no clue. Like, would you get on an airplane? Just because I learned on YouTube how to like run a plane. I wouldn't get on that plane. So what are you asking me for? Like, if you think that's the best way, get on with it. And they just went, "Well, oh, yeah, but we we thought we. I'm but It's nice to be asked. But like, honestly, I have, like, if that's what you think, I mean, you know better than you know better how to run a, like a factory. I mean, I'm, I'm clueless. I got my L plates on.
0: So you do a four day week effectively.
2: Well, the the, the grandmasters do, but there's two factories, right? There's the you know the jeans factory, and then there's the content factory. Yeah. And, and people often say like oh which which is the most important like um is it the ability to sell or the ability to make i'm going which is the most important leg you have your left leg or right leg i mean what a ridiculous question you're like what's the point of making the best jeans in the world you can't sell them it's like man it's it's interesting and the the hard thing with uh, like a team is like get them to go look hey okay, Go and have an input day, especially with ideas. It's kind of, it's different in the genes factory because it's like a time, time is critical. But in the content factory, like an idea is critical and you can't just produce um, an idea. Like you can produce a pair of genes. You have to go and read books and listen to podcasts and get some inspiration to stare out the window as if there's some bird flying with one wing. I mean, whatever it is doing,
0: it's like... But you said that they're grown ups. But this, this, you know, you're, you're almost implying, you know, why wouldn't I trust them? You know, why, why can't they uh, come up with an idea? But that's not reality, though, David. If you look across, you know, industry and organizations, etc., those are basic fundamental matters, you know, basic fundamentals that really matter around trust and respect and, you know, why, why can't people actually lean in and just put their hand up and make a decision? But this, this, this goes a long way <laughs> to making a difference.
2: Yeah. yeah. Tina, who uh, runs uh, Creative Mornings um, in America, I mean, like she did a do talk and she she came out with this phrase, which has really stuck um, both in my brain and, and in my heart. And that is trust breeds magic. If you've done your job well as a leader, as a coach, you've allowed people to feel like the space that you've created is a place where they can do their best work. And, and, and fear is a really terrible thing to have within any company and seem to, and seems to exist in many, many companies, but I can tell you this in terms of creativity and in place to work, you know, fear is a bad thing to have as part of the the backdrop. The thing is, and if you've hired well and you make all the effort in the hiring, then you, you've, you've got to trust your people. And, you, you know, like amazingly, like companies will hire amazing people and then go and clip their wings. Oh, we've hired you because you're amazing. Now, guess what? We're going to stop you doing the thing that you're amazing at. We're going to clip your wings. How ridiculous is it? But it happens every day. And so, like, people lose their mojo because they have the talent. And maybe they've taken you know, the overly big salary and they feel like they've compromised themselves and they suddenly get lost because they lose their way in terms of their path. Um, and then their, their talent and their skills are overlooked. And it's, it's a sadness. It really is incredibly sad that you know, people go and do that and you just go, go and leave.
0: Like, just leave. Could you give us a lens then into how things, as you said, you know, day-to-day culture, living day-to-day, the things that you do in your organizations, you know, I, listen, I, as I said, I follow you on Twitter and I'm, I, I'm born and bred Cardigan, which is also lovely, by the way. So the story has inspired me. I, I remember when they see the photo of the ice cream van coming into, the, coming into the factory and everybody's having an ice cream and some of your colleagues have had 10-year anniversaries and the biggest cakes I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah. But they matter. What 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 are the kind of things that you do to not just connect people but to create connections? What do you do day to day that you know grows people? Well, I tell you one thing, right? And this thing like like costs
2: less than ten pounds, and and it takes fourteen minutes and fifty nine seconds. And so you go and get some post it notes and you get some pens and you find a wall. Every company has a wall, and then you get some people together and you go. Uh, and you ask them to go like what clarity on? And you go, right, okay. And so to give you an example about communication, right? So oh, oh Twitter, right, okay. You put Twitter up on the things. So what is it about Twitter that you don't quite understand? And and then for all that time, for like 13 minutes or whatever, they put all the things that they're not clear about. And then the last minute is gone, right? Okay, what is the most important thing that you're not clear about? And then they divide what the shoulds and the musts, right? And then all of a sudden you go, right. So my job is to help you, you know, with clarity on these three things. Okay, because people can't do their best work unless they have ultimate clarity. And so one of the things that you can provide in terms of culture is clarity. And and less than ten quid. Everybody's got post in those. I started it. Blah. A year ago, two years ago, and and now people just come up to me and said, "Can we have a clarity session on this?" And everybody just goes, "Oh my god, that's that's amazing." You go, "Man, it's fifteen minutes. That's the kind of meeting I like to go." And but and by the way, everybody has to stand up, and they can't get comfortable, and there's no biscuits, and, and no. But and you set the phone. Fourteen minutes, fifty nine seconds. Boo, 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 boo End of it. Go. Okay, everyone clear. Great really good absolutely
0: like one of the best things i've done and is there a moment in in the journey because obviously you've gone through a heck of a from a standing start to getting the people on board to growing this business where have there been some of the moments through your people where they've surprised you perhaps or they have brought some ideas or they have brought some innovation that have had a fundamental impact on your direction or or something Again, could you share some insights for us? There's a couple of things that come to mind. And
2: when we were signing our initial factory lease, you know, with them, God bless the Welsh Government. Uh, I mean, I know their intentions are good. And uh, good people, I know, their systems are just rubbish. And um, so they were our landlord. And and I said, I, I need this plug. I need this or this. And, and I need that floor painted. And they said yes to everything apart from the floor. I'm going... And I'm going, no, you don't understand. I'm going to bring the world's press here. And I need that floor painted. He's going, we're not going to do it. I'm going, in polite industrial language, what I thought. But the next day, I spent £456 on floor paint. And we all painted the floor. And actually, that's when we started becoming a team. Because I said to him, I said, we will not compromise we're not going to have a crap floor because we're going to make the best dreams on the planet. And I was right about, you know, the world's press. Everybody came. That landlord, humble pie, humble pie. So, but the other thing is, uh, Jean, who has been here uh, 10 years, we just had a some nice cake with her. Um, she said, I said it wasn't you know, one of your memories. And she said, do you know what? You all lied to me that one Friday I went to be it was her birthday, so we so we'd hired a bus and got balloons, and we um, we went off on a, a trip together to celebrate her fiftieth birthday. And we had a great day out. And in terms of like you spend a lot of time with these people, is don't make it just about work go dancing, have parties. Actually, parties are really important. I mean, I know during COVID times, not so much, but being able to gather and have a drink together, have a dance together, have some small chat together is incredibly important. And I wouldn't underestimate how important it is to be able to, you know, the, the teams that play together, stay together. It's not just a cliche, it's a fact. You know, if you think about culture, it's all the things that you can't write in a brand document. Like I got asked to write Dyson's brand book and I'm going, it's ridiculous. I'm going, what does he need a brand book for? No one's going to read it. And he's already got a hundred million pound business. It's fine. Like, anyway, I did it. But I mean, like, nobody reads those things. They're, they're kind of important to an extent. I'm not like rubbishing them completely, but just your culture, your brand is, is in the building every day it's yeah. nuances it's intangibles it's it's all the things that you think don't matter they do like COVID's taught us actually how important it is to like
0: gossip and talk rubbish with each other
2: it's kind of like it's it is that thing of like the things that don't matter do matter
0: we we deliberately call this the human factor and because it, it is about all of these varying factors that actually determine the human spirit and what we need and I'm so happy that you mentioned clarity. I talk about it all the time as human beings. We absolutely need clarity about what it is that I'm doing. And then I'd really love it if somebody then said, how well have I done it? Because that matters, right? That really matters to me. The bit I wanna pull out though is as you said, teams that play stay together. You're talking here about teams. Scale is crucial. This this, This is the thing that I wanted to come from this conversation is in small teams, these are the things that people can be doing. This is what leaders can be doing. There are choices that leaders can make about how this team is led, how it works, how it connects, how it combines, how it's utilized, how I bring the skills to the fore. So it doesn't matter if your business is 30, 31 or 50,000. We work in teams. We work in small groups. And there are so many lessons to be learned to drive the most phenomenal output that you can can have. And that's the trick, David, isn't it? Yeah, not completely.
2: And uh, and that's why clarity is your superpower. I mean, like, because everybody needs it. Like, whether you're 50,000 or 50 people, it's fine. But clarity is something people really desperately want. But they'll never tell you they want that. And I think that's the job of the leader is just to provide direction and clarity. And, you know, like, and you know, part of my job is to get my people away from meetings. Mm-hmm. And and if they are going to a meeting and it's like really valuable and it's really short and there's no biscuits and no one's getting comfortable, just go and do like the thing that actually matters as opposed to talking about the thing that matters. You go look, come
0: on, you know, I was—I uh, mentioned to you earlier, didn't I? That I was talking to Lisa, who's part of your team and works with you, and and she said, "I," she said, "I don't listen to podcasts." So, she, but she said, I, "I will have a listen to yours," which is very kind of her. But but she did bring something up today, which I thought was really again linking into the clarity, but also linking into your post-it note. She said um, she was first exposed to the do lectures, and again, going back to philosophy, she said, "You go there with an idea, and no idea is a stupid idea." Immediately, people are like, Well, how can I help you to build that? How can I help you to develop that? And that, again, for me is part of this philosophy and culture about being better and growth. But it doesn't have to come from the leader. It, within SAP, David, and the UKI, we're, we're 5,000 across the UKI. We're driving a transformation, a cultural transformation at the moment. And we're using multipliers. So about 300 people within that group, you know, who we think exhibit the behaviours. But culturally, getting people to lean in and find their voice, it's not easy. And we know this is an issue. We, we know it is. I have a bit of a selfish question before I get on to the end. Is there one moment in this last 10 years where you think, oh, that's, that was amazing, that, that was a real culmination of the work or a realisation of what I set out to do? Was there, was there any one moment? Well, I mean,
2: there's been, uh, been lots of moments. But I mean, I think it's like what people got to understand is that when you start on a brand, no one knows you. And whichever way you like it, it's like there's going to be some struggle years. So, And you know, there were times where I'm going, geez, man, like I was customer service. I was head of marketing. I was like, and I was in dispatch. And I, I, I was sending parcels out. I wouldn't even put a label on it. Do you know I mean? And then the Royal Mail would come back next day and go, do you mean to put like, do you want to put an address on this? I went, yeah, definitely. One of the things I've learned is when something really matters to you and you're just stubborn and you are not going to quit and because you keep going each and every day and and then you just have this lucky moment and, and then you just go, wow. And But you're ready for the luck. You're prepared. And so like, you know, one of the perhaps the most famous ones is, you know, you know, on the Friday, we got a call you know, down from the factory and they were saying, oh, we just had a call from, um, you know, I think it must have been the palace. Uh, well, I'm going, what, what did they say? They went, hello. I went, yeah, beyond that, but maybe they might want some jeans. I'm going, for who? And uh, the reason I tell that story is not because, you know, it's, it's, it is a wow moment, but the reason I love that story is it shone the light on the grandmasters. The people who don't get the light shone on them, the people who are world class. Imagine being world class at something and no one really knows. And we have as many people who are world class at something, and we all know what they do. We know what they're meant for breakfast, what socks they're wearing, and, and what they're world class at is something that no one else wants to be world class at. I mean, but these are like decent, honest and salt of the earth. They just happened to be exceptional at making jeans. And then all of a sudden, the world's camera crews came to them and want to interview them. Brilliant. And after, like, literally everybody you can think of, like from a media organization came. It was costing them a fortune in hairdos. They're going, to oh, have got to go to the hairdresser. Going, what about making some jeans? <laughs>
0: There's
2: not of the hairdressers <laughs> in Cardigan, is there? No, no. They're just, uh, they just come in with their hair. I'm going, oh, God, we've got more press coming today. we? I, I, I'm so proud of, of that, to mean, because I think, like, teams win when, like, I always kind of think of a bike chain, and you go, oh, which element is more important than the other? You go, well, you can't. It's like each link is as important as each other. So, like, in a team, when you're, like, in that zen-like state, you just go, like, we all work for each other, like, uh, yeah, I'm happy to scrub the floors. I'm happy to do the toilets. It's fine. I mean, if that's what it needs doing, I'm fine. Yes. I, I love the word because. You're know, like, why do we do this? Because because there's a cause in because. What do you mean like? And you go, yeah. Let's go and get a, the town making
0: jeans again. Good job. Well done. Brilliant, Simon. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I've been listening in and I've been relating it back to my own experience as well. So I I've worked in a, an organisation where I was the fortieth employee in. And I've worked in an organisation right now, for example, that has over 100,000 employees. Uh, and they are different propositions. So I am, I, I, I'm interested to know your thoughts on, you know, when you go from 30 employees with a deeply embedded culture and you talk about, you know, Jean's 50th birthday and you all took the day out and hired the bus, et cetera, how do you scale that to 400, 4,000, 40,000 without diluting that? I'd have
2: to let you know. Um, because I don't quite know, but I think it is the challenge, and and yes, you know we are in a sweet spot, uh, and and yes, to an extent, it's easier to do this stuff now. It's like it's easy to know everyone's name. You know, like once you go above one hundred and fifty, that's where the human being can't you know, suddenly. That's when you become big, in human terms. Um, so that is the challenge, but but then you know the importance, and we haven't talked about this, and maybe we should do this another time is the importance of captains. And, and so, like, you know, I think the, the captains become really important then because you can't be everywhere. And, and you know, like, I, I'm not a Manchester United fan, but every said, oh, you know, they, you know, Man United went, went downhill when you know, Alex Ferguson left. I don't know. Man United went downhill when um, Roy Keane left because they had a captain and the captains are much more influential than you think and so that will be then a case of the captains you go well you can do it to this if you've got good
0: captain but i think david that goes back to the point i was trying to make there about about team structures because simon you know we've been talking about scale a lot haven't we and and i think what we're discussing today can some of that be replicated in teams in multiple teams you know across an organization but you're still right, Simon. It's about how do you impart that? And I think that goes back to what we were discussing yeah. with David Williams and the role of the leader, right? You know, how are we creating a new leadership model? A captain, if you like, you know, how, yeah. how do we do that?
2: But, I mean, the, the good thing to know, right, is clarity does scale, being kind does scale, honesty does scale. I mean so? This stuff does scale. And, and then you just got to work out the frameworks within. I think if you set the culture, is super strong. It can nothing can feed its way through.
0: It does help though if the person who is quite seen in the organization in his heart or in, in her heart, rather. Yes. That does matter too, doesn't it?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the good thing is that those who
0: care hardest now wins. Yeah, I don't think there's any any doubt about that. So, last question, David. Last question. We love the, the wisdom, the tips, and the hints. As a takeaway for people listening. Are there one or two or three even just little tips that you would impart?
2: Well, I mean, there's a couple of things. I mean, like uh, one of the things that I think about a lot is um, people chase big wins all the time. And actually, big wins are so rare. Do we really truly know anybody who's won 50 million pounds in the lottery? No, but we all enter the lottery. So, So I think if you start chasing small wins, and you get one every day, you know, like that 1% better every day. I mean, that's like you're 37 times better at the end of the year, 3,800% or something. And so chase small wins, but chase them relentlessly and every day. I think that's, that keeps me kind of uh, interested. And but the other tip is to look after yourself. You know, you're probably looking after other people. Well, I can tell you this now. It's like your job, firstly, is to go and look after you. And like so, half six this morning, I'm doing yoga. Um, I'm doing Vim Hof breathing. Joe Dispenza, like something that like I have to pull my tummy in. Then, then for like just easiness, I go in the sea, and it's it's ice. I'm trying to not trip on the ice on the sand. I don't want to break my leg getting into the sea. And so that thing of if you want to look after others, look after yourself first. You know, like, you know, there's that thing of like, you know, put the oxygen mask on yourself first, and then you can start looking after everybody else. It, it might be a cliche, but it's true. It is true.
0: No, I, I think it is true. And you, you mentioned the word kindness. Um, we have Professor Damien Hughes with us, who does their high performance podcast. And, you know, his top tip number one was be kind. And you've mentioned yeah. exactly the same thing today be kind to yourself. Be kind to others, because it matters. David, thank you so much. This has been a brilliant conversation. I'm so grateful that you joined, and, and, and I, I absolutely love the work you're doing. I mean, I'm up in the Northwest, I'm not living in Cardigan at this moment in time, but from afar, it's been a joy to, um, to observe and to learn. Uh, it really, really has. So uh, incredibly grateful for your time today and for being a guest. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Simon, I'm super grateful for David joining us today. When we started out, uh, we spoke at length about potentially people who we wanted to speak with. And we talked previously about david and 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 Hyatt and you know the the, the backstory, the powerful philosophy, et cetera. So I'm really grateful uh, to have uh, have him on the podcast in his time. Uh, I'm going to go very, very quickly, if we, if I may. There were so many takeaways. I took so many notes. But again, themes that resonate back through the conversations we've had: clarity. You know, he, David was absolutely clear about uh, about the importance of it, and I loved his idea. The thing that he does with those fifteen minutes—no biscuits, of course, no sitting down, don't get too comfortable—but pen and some post-it notes. But really, getting the team to be asking those questions about where they need that ultimate clarity was huge. And I think the other thing as well was the importance of a cause and translating that through. They were very clear from the outset that they were going to make the best genes in the world. There was no compromise on that. So it's about how you then follow through. How about yourself?
1: It was great to hear the passion that David spoke with as well. Um, and I know that might be the first time we've had to use the bleep machine, but it, it just showed his passion for the topic, which was you know coming through in, in spades. Um, I love the when he talks there about you know companies will hire great people and then go and clip their wings. Uh, and his philosophy is is you know simply hire great people and then get out of the way. I think that just speaks volumes. You know, let people be who they need to be rather than impose upon them and try and mold them into something they might not want to be. Uh, and And it's clear that you know from how long they've been running and the 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 warmth in which he's uh, felt by by his employees, about what being the Grand Master really means to them uh, and what it means to him as well. So, and so many quotes coming from that episode, I think, but underneath it all, you just felt the genuine warmth he had for what he was doing and the the satisfaction he was taking from it.
0: And I love the fact, as you mentioned about the Grand Masters, recognising that these are world-class individuals who don't always have the light shined on them. And I think that's a takeaway that could be applied to any organisation across the land in the way that teams are constructed and the way the teams run. I think this was a great, great insight into how you can build, not just a great business with a great product, but how you can build a great team that truly brings to life what your brand actually is about. I loved it. Great episode. Thank you, Simon, as always.
1: Michael, Uh, I think you should go and have your customary cup of tea.
0: I may have something stronger than it. it, 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 We're recording on a Friday. I may have something stronger than my customary cup of tea, but we will see. But listen, until then, thanks as always, Simon. And uh, thank you to everybody who's listening. Until then, goodbye.